0: Hey, everyone, we're going to be talking on today's podcast about a controversial concept. It is the concept called American exceptionalism. Uh, this has been ridiculed uh, by uh, governmental leaders, uh, mocked, uh, almost acting as if Americans think we're better than other people. But these are all uh, misguided notions of this important concept. We're going to talk today about where this idea came from and why is America exceptional? What sets us apart? Why is America um, a great nation and what has led to that greatness? Again, it's nothing in and of ourselves. It's really part of an amazing creed that we have. uh, And we're going to talk about that in the podcast today. So you won't want to miss this. We look forward to joining you.
1: Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast.
0: Here we are again. We are committed to declaring the Lordship of Jesus Christ over all of life, bringing his Lordship to life. And uh, we've been in an amazing book, if you've been with us, called uh, If You Can Keep It by Eric Metaxas. Uh, and we are kind of coming to the close of that book, talking about some great things today. We're talking about a very controversial topic in uh, in America today it's almost like a knee-jerk reaction when we we talk about American exceptionalism mm-hmm. uh, why is this c- so controversial and what does it mean and maybe that's why uh, it's so controversial is because we, people aren't really
1: sure what we're talking about no I when you first hear that, a lot of people interpret that as elitism, right? Right. We're naturally, because we're born in America, we are just better than everyone else. You know, the the whole book, Ugly Americans, you know, we think we're better, we think we're... I mean, yeah. that's, that's the mindset that people get of what that definition is, but we want to clarify that today. Absolutely,
0: because it's really not anything about being an elitist, it's really an understanding of of what makes America different from other nations. There's nothing prideful about that. It's just looking at the data. And, in fact, I, uh, Metaxas points out that it was Alexis de Tocqueville, a Frenchman, who first coined this word about America. A economy. French guy, huh? A French guy. Yeah, yeah. A French guy. <laughs> so this was so. not a bunch of snooty
1: Americans. <laughs> it was a bunch of snooty French.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is an outside observer, uh, and this is what he said. In eighteen uh, thirty five in his book Democracy in America, he said the position of the Americans is therefore quite exceptional, and it may be believed that no democratic people will ever be placed in a similar one so um, again, you know what what was he referring to what Why was America so exceptional, and why is it that today I remember even uh, hearing when president obama was was uh, in office. He made the comment that, you know, well, America is exceptional to Americans just in the same way that Germany is exceptional to Germans. In other words, he he uh, likened it just to a sense, as you said, of almost like a national pride. Um, but that's really not what we're talking about. And so um, Metaxas kind of nails, nails down the fact, first of all, that America is unique. And we chat about this because we're founded on not— Ethnicity or blood or race, but were founded on a creed. Talk about that a little bit. What? What? Why does that make America exceptional?
1: Yeah, and this this is the point which I was never taught this in in, in school. I've, I've never even heard of this concept earlier in my years. And once I heard it, I'm like, wow. Why are they not talking about this everywhere? Is that every other nations in the world was created out of conquest, right? Some some king right. or some. Emperor took over some territory and claim it as their land, or it was forged out of like tribalism, or they have the same uh, race or the same background, same right. culture, you know. So they they kind of formed together out of that those type of connections. Whereas America instead was founded on a similar principle, says we all agree with this principle, this document, this 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 agreement, this covenant, right? And that's that's so different from the origins of so many other nations. Right, and one of the you know the creed is
0: a multitude of ideas, but one of those ideas comes from the Bible: all men are created equal. A radical, a radical idea again, that was found nowhere on planet Earth when the founders uh, put that into the Constitution. Uh, you know, he, uh, Even the Brit, Brits would have been saying, what? All men are not created equal. We have the ruling class. We have right. the aristocracy. We right. got the peasants. Uh, uh, of course, all men are not created equal. But that was an idea, again, that came from the Bible. Uh, another idea that, that uh, Metaxas talks about is the fact that government exists only by the consent of the governed, in right. other words, we are the government. that was a crazy idea right. that makes america exceptional the government officials are are public servants right and accountable to the people yeah uh, again that 's ex- exceptional about us. I like this too. He says um, we do not give preference as Americans based on one 's family one 's race, or beliefs. We are a merit based society. Where people from every background can rise as they please. And he highlights the fact that America is, is literally full of rags to riches stories. And we see this, you know. We are, we are a melting pot of, of people from all different countries. And what I love to see is you can have a first generation family that maybe left a country fleeing for their lives. Uh, you know, even in your own testimony and story, uh, coming to America as a last hope of freedom. And sometimes these folks start out with very little or next to nothing. And in a matter of generations, they're very wealthy. They own their own businesses. Uh, they, they've been very, very successful. And certainly by the standards of where they came from, they are wealthy. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and, and I love that about America the rags to riches kind of stories that you don't seem to hear about. In other countries where there's just not opportunity
1: um and uh, and that again is what makes america very very unique and and just on that point i know someone listening to this will will criticize america and say well what about you know women's rights their right to vote what about slavery and whatnot and and metaxas talks about that yeah And, and and his his contention is yes those are those are imperfect representation of this all men are created equal Principle, however, their aberration, there is a growing up process. We gotta understand, in the context of history, every nation was treating having slaves and treating women like second class citizens. Right. So America had to grow up. So, is it, it, then grow into our grow, creed. Grow into so to speak. Our, yeah. our original creed. We had to grow into the calling, I would call it a calling that, that, that God has placed that we were invited into this covenant we're called, sure. we're called into, right? Sure. So, so, so and rec- no nation is perfect, right? Exactly, exactly. And in spite of us
0: growing into our, I think it was Martin Luther King called it our, our, our promissory note on freedom, you know, that, uh, the Constitution. Uh, we had to grow into those ideals. So to speak. We talk about values, you know, actual values or aspirational values, right? Uh, even as a ministry, we have values that we are striving to live up to, and I think that's what you're touching on. Right. Um, let's talk here. This is, this is good. Our Constitution makes us exceptional. We've now been under the same Constitution for over 230 years. This was amazing. The average constitutional lifespan globally is 17 years. So when you think about it, America is exceptional because of the stability that we have. We have been under the same document, under the same constitution now for over 230 years. Most nations are, t- are going through constitutions as quickly as they would go through a box of Kleenex with a head cold. I mean, this, right. know, this is something that is highly unusual and I think we take it for granted. The political uh, stability and strength that we've enjoyed in this country be- because of the lack of turmoil and, and transition. Right. Um, this was interesting. Uh, the, the uniquely ordered freedoms given to us by the founders have produced a nation of extraordinary wealth. With less than 5% of the world's population, the United States nonetheless produces more than 25% of the world's goods and services. So only 5% of the world's population produces a quarter of its, of its goods and services. So we are, we are productive people. Uh, we also are a creative people. I thought this was interesting. Four uh, percent of the world's population produces more inventions and patents every year than the rest of the 96 percent of the world. Now that that is crazy. Let's talk about that because we because we said Americans are not are not defined by race. So it's not like we're saying I'm I'm a come from German background. You come from a Chinese background. It's not like we're arguing the Chinese are smarter than the Germans or the Germans are more creative than the Chinese. Because we have Chinese and we have Germans and we have a whole bunch of other ethnicities in America. What makes Americans so creative? Like, what is, how would you describe, what is the reason behind the fact that we have 96% of the patents in the world? Yeah. It's not a matter of ethnicity.
1: What? How would you explain that exceptionalism? Yeah, if you ask me, I would say first of all, we have supposedly just laws, or at least part of our creed. Well, and
0: the just laws give people incentive to create because yeah, their laws, their ideas right. are protected. Um, I would also argue that just liberty in general—that that we have the ability and the freedom and the the uh, space in our life, the margin. Uh, to spend time thinking and dreaming and creating, uh, no matter who you are, based upon our wealth, our freedom, our our liberties, our you know,
1: all those things contribute to an environment where creativity flourishes. Creativity should be incentivized and yep. not and not uh, not uh, squished, right? Creativity should have it's created by margin, and, and that's from efficiency. So you need a system if of efficiency. Curability comes from resilience, so you need an environment that that allows people to press and push and try different things, uh, be encouraged. Uh, it comes from the environment. You even want to create creativity. Human beings are creative beings. I mean, we're made in the image and likeness of a creative God, right? Yep. Yep. So you want creativity to thrive. You need to create an environment that allows. A lot of times people say, we're not cre- I'm not creative or we're not being creative here. It's really less the person, more the environment. And because of all that America has established in general, not everywhere, obviously, in general, it's creative environment of creativity. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. And and building on that, 4% of the world's population, meaning America, has more than 50% of the world's Nobel Prizes in physics, chemistry, medicine, literature, and a variety of other areas. Our 4% has 25% of the world's GDP. So, mm. you know, this podcast is dedicated to proclaiming the Christian worldview, and we've already established this in previous podcasts. If you don't operate from a God-centered perspective, uh, World, a God created world, there's no basis for chemistry and physics and some of these other hard sciences because you have a random, chaotic, evolving, you know, chance driven world that uh, would give you no reason to explore any of those things. So, again, you talked about the word environment. I think it's a key word. We have the, the Christian worldview and the ideas found in the scriptures have created an intellectual environment which really uh, encourages, incentivizes human creativity, and with that creativity comes wealth, Mm -hmm. uh, ideas, uh, uh, patents, uh, uh, breakthroughs, uh, technology, all of these things bring about wealth with them because they serve people and people want to buy the products or, or take advantage of the uh, breakthrough, and, and everybody's blessed. And, and there's a monetary value to that, which has caused America to be blessed and prosperous. Yes, prosperous, yeah, absolutely. So this is huge. Finally, uh, he says uh, American ex- is exceptional in that it values the individual over the state and that all are subject to the impartial rule of law. We hold our leaders accountable to the same laws every American must follow." Now, it's funny that we're talking about this (laughs) because while that is absolutely true, it makes us exceptional. Uh, Our leaders, even the highest leader in the land, must be responsible to, for instance, the same speed limit that the poor person is responsible to obey. Now, again, we realize that is imperfectly, at times, uh, applied. But that's a deep, you know, that sense of justice, like who are you to, why why does a different set of rules apply to you? This is a strong American uh, uh, exceptional, you know, moment here because we're like, wait a minute, we have it so deeply ingrained in us that we all play by the same rules that when we find a two-tiered system of justice like we're experiencing now in America in so many areas, Americans are outraged by that. And we're and we're saying, will anybody be held accountable? Absolutely. But that's not the way most of the world lives. Most of the world assumes that if you're in power, you play by a different set of rules. And the corruption is so deep, uh, and all these things that we again we take for granted in America, even things like you know insider trading. Like if you're in Congress and you're on the on the uh, on the no, you should not be able to use that information to. To your own personal advantage. I mean, we understand that that's un- fundamentally unfair. Now, we're not saying it doesn't happen, but saying it's fundamentally unfair. Whereas other nations would just go, "That's just the way life is, man." When you get to be in power, then you're a fat cat, and you get to use the system for your own purposes. But, but that's that's it makes us exceptional in that regard that we value
1: the law above the person. The the fact that there's outrage when we see nepotism, when we see um, mm-hmm. you know, the unequal treatment. When, when, when we see government officials thinking they rule over us, the feeling, the revolution, revolutionary feeling that stir up in our yeah. heart, saying, wait a second, you, you, you're supposed to serve us. That itself is exceptional. Absolutely. because Because the natural history of the world has never been that way. You have kings, you have pharaohs, you have rulers who rule over us little peasants, right? right. And America has cultivated an environment of revolutionaries in that way to say, hey, no, that should not be, that's tyranny. We don't want tyranny. And right. I would
0: ar- argue as well that what makes America exceptional is is this incredible thing called the middle class, of which you and I are both part of, mm-hmm. uh, middle class America. You don't find that middle class in other countries, and largely. You have, again, the power brokers, the wealthy, the elite, and then you have the, the people who are peasants, very poor, yeah. uh, the working, working cl- class, yeah, the yeah, laborers, yeah. the, yeah. the common people. Right. But in America, there's this crazy phenomenon and you drive around and you see, wait a minute, look at these, the middle-class neighborhoods, the, the, the homes, the prosperity, the blessing in middle class is far transcends most of the world, what the most of the world can even think about. So these are all things that it's the it's the air we breathe, but we should never, ever take them for granted. And it's part of what makes us exceptional, not better than other people, but different. And different in a way that others should go, wow, how are you guys doing that? Or how do you account for that? Or how do you explain all of this? We want to be a part of it. Um, so again, it's not a snootiness. Uh, it is actually a burden. And, and that's really what what he talks about, in, which I love. He goes underneath all of these surface uh, exceptional areas, and he gets to the heart of it in a section uh, called this, uh, The Shining City on a Hill. He said, uh, but while all these things may be listed to explain why America is exceptional, they don't really get to the heart of the matter. Again, he writes, we may turn to the founders and to Tocqueville for answers to this question. He says it was, quote, the virtuous behavior of Americans, driven principally by their thriving faith in God, uh, the God of the Bible. So he says beneath all of these ideas, as we've already pointed out, is God, and not just any God, but the God of Scriptures, and what made America great was the virtue that came from a people who actually believed what the Bible taught. And you and I talked on this, or just before this podcast started. You know, if if it's a creed that held us together, what happens when we lose the creed, or we can no longer define the creed? And I think we would argue that much of this creed is rooted in a biblical understanding of the world, which is being rejected. By many, many Americans right now, and so the, the the foundation of the creed start if that's taken away, the creed kind of starts dissolving in your in your hands and you like try to hold on to sand, and that's I think what we're experiencing in America today is we we've, we've lost
1: the common basis for what that creed is and where it comes from. Yeah because the the cohesive ties between states, between citizens is this creed. Not these tribalistic things that other nations found of because we, we are made of many tribes, many different backgrounds America is. So when you lose the creed, you you have no other ties. Yeah. And I think that's one reason why America is so divisive today. Yeah, we have so many different different creeds. Absolutely. <clears throat> now he gives us a good history lesson here.
0: Um, he says we may trace the seed of what we think of as American exceptionalism back to the summer of 1630 when a fleet of 11 ships sailed from England uh, to what is today Boston. The fleet's flagship, the Arbella, uh, was uh, carrying a, a very important person, a man by the name of John Winthrop, who was going to be the governor of this new Massachusetts Bay Colony. Of course, Winthrop was a godly man. And over the course of that journey, uh, he delivered a now-famous sermon called The Model of Christian Charity. And I want to read just a couple sentences from that because it really conveys the sense of responsibility that they were carrying. Uh, He said, the eyes of all people are upon us, so that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work that we have undertaken, and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us... We shall be made a story and a byword through the world. Uh, In other words, (laughs) paraphrasing, there was a sense of godly fear uh, and responsibility that what they were embarking on was being watched by others in the world. And therefore, the last thing they wanted to do was offend God, grieve God through their sinful behavior, and cause God to remove his presence and his blessing from them because they knew that as soon as that happened, to, to quote him, they would be made a story and a byword in the world. In other words, they would become a stock, a thing spoken against. People would always point to that and say, look what happened to those foolish people uh, and look what happened to their experiment in liberty. So even from the beginning, this is 1630, Um, There was a sense that that we have a responsibility as God's people to obey God and to be a shining light. In other words, our freedom and the the liberty, which they were pursuing, was not just for themselves. It was for other people. And Metaxas says this is really uh, something radical about the American um, creed, that our freedom is not just leave me alone so I can live my selfish life and do whatever I want and be blessed and prosperous and all this. The, the, The creed was no, no, no. The freedom that we have created, the environment, the atmosphere of liberty that we've created is not just for me. I have a responsibility f- for generations to come, and I have a responsibility to share this freedom with the with the rest of the world that's longing for this. Right. That's a radical concept. It's almost like, wait, with the, with the blessing of freedom comes the responsibility of freedom. And we don't hear that talked about much anymore.
1: And, and you see that theme repeated... Over and over again. Later with George Washington, when uh, we talked about this in previous podcasts, when you know he was a general and the, the 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 Congress couldn't pay his armies during the Revolutionary War, and his men was plotting to kind yeah. of take over the government and making pre- uh, uh, George Washington the king, and his admonition to his guys is like the world's watching us. Yeah. And even later, Lincoln is this idea is like. We're, this is not just like our private decision, right? Exactly. Someone's watching us, and we're setting example for the future. There's a there's a perspective. There's a uh, there's this idea of that we're we are being watched, and we're setting example for the world. Yeah, I think
0: the Bible says it this way: to whom much has been given, you know, much is required. Yeah. Uh,
1: that means again that we have to steward the blessings of freedom. And um, I think that's exceptional. And what nation is making these decisions, thinking everyone's watching us, and we need to be example for the world? <laughs>
0: oh, absolutely. No, nope. but I don't. I don't know of any well, of the king nation is saying, he "Hey, it. you
1: know what? We shouldn't invade that nation, or we shouldn't do this because everyone's, you know." So I yeah, think that's it's interesting. It's, it's highly
0: exceptional. Yeah, uh, he says this idea of freedom as something to be used in service of others is at the heart of the J- Jewish and Christian scriptures. So again, it's freedom for it's freedom. Yeah. It's freedom meaning, okay, I have been blessed or I've been given resources. It's not just for me. How can I take this blessing and be a blessing? It goes all the way back to to that Abrahamic... Uh, a promise from god that abraham i am blessing you to be a blessing to the nation right. so with this understanding of the gospel came this incredible sense that number one god is watching others are watching we are to be a city set on a hill that others come to for light for blessing for insight uh, for help and that is a dis- a distinctly christian idea so he goes on he says far from being a selfish idea it is the idea of living for others, of showing them a new way of living that was at the heart of America, and that this was actually a great burden uh, that we shared as, Amer- as Americans. Um, and I, I thought it was interesting, because I remember it was, um, you know, they called it the Obama Apology Tour. Remember that, when he took over? Mm-hmm. It, it was weird to me, because instead of embracing the fact that America is the world leader, right and that as the world leader there is a burden that comes with that like we're we're going to help other weaker nations when they're attacked uh, or we're going to help nations when they they need financial support or aid um we're 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 the world leader that was something again that we understood as Americans as part of our exceptionalism but i remember at that time him going around and apologizing and almost trying to deflate America, almost trying to put America on the level of just everybody else in terms of, um, of uh, we're just, you know, part of the global team here. Instead of uh, this idea that uh, that we are a nation, a separate nation that we need to care for our nation, we need to protect our nation, and then we need to responsibly care for the other nation of the world. it's like no, no no, we don't want to do that anymore. we just want to be one of the globalists, you know one of the guys. It really to me re- represented a fundamental shift in what I had been, like the Ronald Reagan days, for instance, when he spoke strongly about America, about America's sovereignty and about about America being the last bastion of freedom. Uh, and how we needed to protect that. It was just different language. It was a different understanding, and I I picked up on it. It was like, wow, this is a a whole different approach to the creed uh, that we talked about. Um, But I think it's because we are drifting away from that Christian worldview. Absolutely. Um, This was interesting as well. Uh, He says (laughs) that uh, this American exceptionalism means that we—and this was part of the— Poetry on on the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. This is part of the poetry again that's on the Statue of Liberty, and it was a reminder that America stood as that place where we were welcoming immigrants. And I think uh, Metaxas brought out a good point. He says nobody in America argues that, there's not, that we're not a nation of immigrants and that there's value in this beautiful melting pot. What we're arguing about is, is that process. But nobody is arguing about the fact that we have always opened our shores to the world's oppressed uh, and to those fleeing for their lives or for liberty. Um, and that's part again of the burden that that is America. I can't think of an iconic symbol that more powerfully describes American exceptionalism than the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. You know, come, we want to help, and we can help you. Um, and so he says the whole idea that we care uh, that we help when there are tragedies, Americans are the first to line up with support, boots on the ground, financial support. Um, he says, America, uh, you know, th- this is un- indisputable. America is the most generous nation on the planet. We even send resources to help build the countries that we have had to fight wars against, to help get the people back on their feet and to help get their, uh, their nation moving forward again. Um, we even export our ideas about freedom around the world. We've tried to say, hey, you know, our way is the best way. And we've been, we've been uh, unashamed about that because it's produced the best fruit. And, of course, it was rooted in biblical ideas. We, we've tried to be that shining city on a hill. And so he says we are inescapably exceptional and, therefore, inescapably burdened with the responsibility, again, before God to help other people. And finally, and this is a controversial point, so maybe we could we could spend a little bit of time on this one before we close. He says, when talking of the exceptionalism that has been acknowledged all through our history... When talking of the burden that comes with it, we come to another concept that is even beyond exceptionalism, and that is of being chosen by God. Now, this is another area that would cause massive (laughs) argumentation today. Uh, this whole idea that America has a calling, that that we have been called by God for a specific purpose, to be a city on a hill, to take the gospel to the nations of the world, et cetera, et cetera. But he gives, and we can maybe hit this real quickly, he gives two examples historically. One is the example of Squanta, uh, which was an Indian who actually helped um, the settlers of this nation uh, to get through those d- right, difficult winters, the pilgrims. Winters, yeah. the pilgrims. Uh, talk a little bit about that story because, it's it, again, it's, I don't know that we're teaching this in our history books anymore, but it is an example that our founders recognized of supernatural, providential hand of God on America to help uh, help it get established. Yeah, I didn't know the history. Did you know the history of Squanto? I did, but it was a review. Um, but, I, yes, I did only because I had read a lot of the builders material
1: with okay. David Barton. Okay, okay. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, he was. So I guess Quanto as a Native American, was basically kidnapped when he was young by right. some some of these, you know, New World explorers back right. to England. Correct? Yeah. And then he was free from, from some well, he's friars. he was captured
0: as a, a slave, yeah. but, but those who took him in cared for him and
1: actually taught him a, English. At least some friars, yeah. some Christian friars end up getting his release somehow, and they encouraged him to go back to London to try to get a ship back to the yeah. New World, so, which So is, again,
0: the point was that yeah. everybody that had slaves was not mistreating them, killing them, torturing them, et cetera. In this case, they... They discipled him. They used yeah. it as an opportunity to disciple him, to teach so him the, the ways of the Lord, yeah. teach him English, and then send him home. Yeah. And on that trip back home, when he gets back to his homeland, he, all of his people are dead. Yeah. They, they died because of a plague. Mm-hmm. If he would have been there, he would have died. Um, so he stays there, but in the process of him staying there, when the pilgrims come and they're having all their troubles and they don't know anything about how to survive in the land, here walks up this this Native American Indian and, uh, and speaks perfect English. And they're all looking at him like, who are you and where did you come from? Obviously, this is a, a sign and a wonder. This man had been almost trained by the Lord, protected by the Lord, to establish this Plymouth Colony, yeah um, when again half of the folks that in that first winter died and and he was teaching them how to how to uh, plant food, how to catch uh, fish, how to basically survive through the winters um, and he said I quote here, Bradford wrote yeah. William Bradford wrote in his journal that Squanto became a special instrument sent by God for our good who never left us until he died. In other words, they enjoyed an incredible friendship and a great relationship where he mentored them, and they were able, again, to mentor him in the ways of the Lord. So it was, again, a crazy, providential, supernatural, divine... Appointment uh, that our founders looked at as the hand of God being upon this nation. The other one is is a, again a great story. I've preached on this in our our Freedom Sunday message before, but this has to do with the, with the miracle of our Constitution uh, and the terms you used to describe our Constitution was that it is inspired. Now again, not in the same way that the Bible is inspired, but it is inspired in that what came out of that constitutional convention was a miracle based on the strong leadership the strong ideas the strong principles the 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 differences of of opinion as to how this government should be formed the fact that it all came together the way that it did um was stated by those that attended that convention that it was a miracle that it was it was god And what's crazy is the most irreligious of all the founders, the senior member uh, of that constitutional convention, Benjamin Franklin, was the one who uh, gave this eloquent speech basically saying that during the revolution that we gathered together on a regular basis to pray and to seek God. Uh, and that we recognize that the fact that we're all here today was a miracle. This could not have happened. A bunch of ragtag colonies defeating the most powerful nation on the planet. This was, an, this was a miracle of God. And we prayed and we sought the Lord and we experienced His blessing. And so uh, it was Benjamin Franklin who said this, "'I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth.'" That God governs in the affairs of men, and if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is probable that an empire can rise without his aid, or is it probable that an empire can rise without its aid? What, What an incredible observation. If a God cares about little things like sparrows, how will he not be focused and care about the raising up of a nation uh, and that we should seek him and honor him and humble ourselves, and so he called for everybody to come together and to pray. This is Benjamin Franklin. Now, again, the, one of the more irreligious of the founders, but even he recognized, mm-hmm. and he made he made a. Um, uh, a suggestion uh, that the Cong- that they would open up in that Constitutional Convention, they would open up with prayer from that point on and that they would be led by clergy. So here, now we have clergy being invited in to the formation of this government to appeal to the Lord and to seek God and to cry out for wisdom and God answered their prayers and what came out of that Constitutional Convention is again a document that has been alive and well in leading our nation now for over 230 years. So this is amazing. Again, based upon the concerns that, the, that these different folks had, based upon the, the strong, uh, differing opinions that they had about government, uh, that there could be a unity and a coming together uh, to create this document. Stunning. And, and, and those there, and we don't have time to go into the quotes, but they said this uh, was an act of God. Mm-hmm. So, again, when our, when our founders are recognizing that God intervened, Uh, And that our nation is supernatural. Again, not perfect. We'll talk about that in our next podcast. Uh, But supernatural. These were the things that said there's something special about who we are. And it's not us. It's God. It's his calling. It's, It's the uniqueness of the creed. It's the biblical worldview from which it comes. It's the financial blessing. It's the spiritual blessing. It's the liberties that we have. We cannot keep these to ourselves. We are a nation raised up by God to be a blessing to the nations of the world. That you know, Not that many years ago, that would have all been amen in the halls of Congress. We've lost it. and I think what I just said would be ridiculed and mocked uh, and would be a minority opinion, but that's not the opinion of those who founded this nation. And I think when we take out the supernatural elements, when we... When we mock our founders or we look for their imperfections instead of realizing they were they were just men right fallen men um, when we when we try to minimize those stories of the supernatural because we don 't believe in God any longer, we really gut the creed and and we gut American exceptionalism and I think we have you know maybe that 's why we 're here doing this podcast say hey, we 've got to be the ones trumpeting these truths because they 're not hearing them right now in our public schools. And uh, our history lessons, uh, lessons about the Constitutional Convention or any of these things, there's just nowhere to be found. Yep. Uh, and so we've got, to, we've got to return to the supernatural dimension uh, of the founding of this country. So anyway, we hope that has been helpful to you. We, we are an exceptional people, we, it, which kind of leads us to where we're going to go in our next podcast. It's why we love America. Uh, it's because of all these exceptional elements that make us the greatest nation on the earth, not to pat ourselves on the back, but to go, wow, these ideas produce incredible fruit. Uh, And we need to keep these ideas. So anyway, uh, we hope this is helpful to you guys. Spread it far and wide. Please like this podcast, share it with other people, and help us get the word out. I will look forward to being with you all next
1: week.